What chapter are we on again? <laughs> uh huh. You're so funny. Uh, I crack myself up. And really, that's all that matters, you know? If you're not your number one fan, who who is? <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Luke. <laughs> I'm Emma. <laughs> and this week, we're starting with Chapter 1 of Assassin's Quest, Grave Birth. Very ominous sounding title. It does. Also, I glanced at it while, it was in my, uh, while the book was in my lap while we were getting ready. And I thought it said give birth. And I was like, wow, I've been reading that wrong the whole time. <laughs> yes, yes, you have been. <laughs> no, it is grave birth. <laughs> the intro part of this chapter discusses slaves. We get our introduction to the slave trade before live ship traders in this intro excerpt and how Chalced states the slaves are kept there and Bingtown is a big driver for those slaves to keep the population up. Chalced always insists that all of those slaves are from wartime, and originally they were, mm -hmm. but the slave trade has continued on past where they could have gotten all of their slaves from war. Right. It also talks about how in Chalced, not only is the like lowly labor slaves, but all of their artisans and teachers and nannies and like every pillar of their society is built by slaves. And so clearly they cannot keep up without slaves because slaves do everything. They don't know how to do it. Yeah. Because <laughs> Chalced is a... Horrible place. Crap country. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's really interesting to get to have a little bit of insight as to what's, what type of slaves Chalcid is dealing with. Um, by the time we get to the live ship traders, we do see a little bit of slavery coming into Jamalia or Jamalia. And um, I believe that's mostly skilled slave labor that they're dabbling in there i could be wrong but it's interesting that bingtown is the biggest supplier and i know that althea's father oh efron yes efron althea's father efron has or is a that grandfather it was father right father okay. <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot of issue with uh slave trading and refuses to do it which is ruined by, oh, Kevin? That's Kyle. not his name. Kyle, thank you. <laughs> it has been a while since you read them, hasn't it? Ha yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> Kevin doesn't sound right, but it is okay, so. Well, you'll get your intro again next year. <laughs> yeah, it's talking about how the big town traders are very resourceful in finding other sources of slaves and the rampant piracy in the trade islands is often mentioned in association with this. 
those who are slave owners in Chalced show little curiosity about where the slaves come from, so long as they are healthy. It goes on to discuss how the six duchies have never really taken slavery into their culture. They never really have slaves. They have indentured servitude for a time as a punishment to crimes, but they never are owned that person is just serving their debt to society and if the if the crime is great enough they'll just be put to death right it also specifies that there always has to be an end date that the person can work towards yeah and that in society nobody looks down on the people who are indentured servants because it's seen as them paying the price of a crime um, they They'd probably looked on them as like a criminal, but right. not as not, subhuman. Yeah, not the way slaves are treated. <laughs> and it also talks about how rich people who move into the duchies, whether they're from there originally or not, are not allowed to keep slaves even if they bought them somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So it's even so far as it doesn't matter if you brought them in. If it's legal where you got them, it doesn't matter. They're not slaves to you anymore. And for that reason, a lot of freed slaves who miraculously work their way free in Chalced, Mm -hmm. they usually flee to the six duchies because of those anti-slavery laws. And because of that, some tales come over across the borders. These slaves bring with them the far-flung traditions and folklore of their own lands, and if they're coming from or through Bingtown, they could be coming from pretty much anywhere. One such tale I have preserved has to do with a girl who was vechy, or what we would call witted. And this is the story of how she, uh, of the story that Birk got that we, you know, talked a little bit about at the end of last book. Mm-hmm. Of a girl who had a wit companion and it would leave her body and um, go into the wit companion and got, like, resurrected. So this is uh, a girl who is in love with somebody and her parents said, no, you can't marry that person. And she died out of loneliness, but her spirit went into her bear companion. Mm -hmm. And then three days later, that bear dug up her body after her parents had buried it and... Uh, put her soul back in her body, but she was never the same again. The tale has a sad ending. For having been a she-bear for a time, she was never wholly human again, and her true love would not have her. This scrap of a tale was the basis for Beric's decision to try to free me from Prince Regal's dungeon by poisoning me. And so that that line is kind of ominous going into this chapter. Mm-hmm. She was never wholly human again. Right. And I think it's interesting to talk about this story right before the chapter we're about to read of another grave birth where we see a young person who is dug up from the grave. But what's interesting about this story is that she supposedly died of somewhat natural causes i guess i don't know how many people die from sorrow it is a story Um, it is right but so she dies and her wit bear is the one that digs her up which i find very interesting because Mm -hmm. at least for fitz and night eyes night eyes didn't want fitz to go 
And we see that this is a problem in the upcoming chapter that Night Eyes is still trying to get Fitz to come back with him. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear that the wit companion would be the one to, you know, (laughs) bring the body back. Well, Fitz also didn't want to go back to his body. That's true. He had a a great desire to hide from all of the feelings of guilt that he has. Right. Which also surface in this chapter and the pain of his body as well. This girl in the story had a true love that she wanted to go to. Right. So I feel like that will would have been the driving force for her to freely move, you know, in between the two, the two bodies. It's just very interesting Um, Especially because it talks about not being wholly human ever again. Right. Because I don't think that's true about Fitz. I mean, he's not necessarily wholly human when he comes back originally, but I think he's wholly human later. Yes, but I like in my mind, I don't disagree with that, with him saying that he was never wholly human. Or us saying that he was never wholly human. I don't Mm -hmm. disagree with that because of the things I've brought up before with like mingling souls. Okay, sure. With Fitz and Night Eyes being in the same body. Fitz brings back some of those tendencies. He is a much closer bond than anyone else that he knows of that has the old blood with his companion. And he even says in his writings that sometimes he like, you know, wishes he was wolf again you know with a capital w yeah like and he he dreams of that and and that's like a a feeling that he has so i feel like he never really lets go yes i could consider him wholly human but i think his mindset is altered forever after that's with like longing for that lifestyle that's fair i guess Though I feel that that doesn't make him less human just because Fitz kind of has a crappy life. So I can understand him wanting to go back to something that's much, much simpler. But I guess that is still an effect that it has. Yeah, that's why I'm not outright disagreeing with you saying that he is fully human. (laughs) I think he is wholly human when he gets better. But I don't disagree with the thought that he is not either because there's some change there. And... Even if it's just PTSD, there's something that carries with you from seeing your own dead body being dug up. Yeah, that's, you know, (laughs) know, honestly, yeah, true. Or living in a different species altogether for a few days at the very least. Mm -hmm. It's just something, uh, something that I think he carries with him for the rest of his time. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. And we dive into Fitz being... Born recently from the grave, him him trying to adjust to being a human, but we get everything from his perspective, and it's all written very from a lupine perspective, <laughs> very uh, panting, too hot, you know, or he's too cold because he doesn't have fur. Like it's it's very descriptive of writing from a first person point of view of a dog or a wolf, right. Yeah, it's super interesting. Also, I want to mention um, before we get into the chapter that this chapter is written super specially, I guess, because it is broken up in an interesting way. It almost is like... There's little vignettes, little scenes, and they jump time between them drastically. Yeah. 
And so it's almost as though this is all he can remember from that time, that this is the memory that sticks out. It's the feeling that I get when I read it. Or at least the only memories that matter in his retelling. Right. And yeah, I guess the way I view it is like, this is a starting point of coming back to humanity, or this is like something important that happened towards becoming fully human again. Right. Um, so you don't necessarily need every day of the time period. <laughs> of the struggle. Yeah. Because he does struggle greatly through this. And this fo- this chapter mainly focuses on two people with Chade making also an appearance. It's Fitz and Birik. Mm-hmm. Chade is kind of in there once in a while, and we'll talk about that as well. But it's mainly Fitz and Birik's relationship and Fitz's struggle to get to hide himself, basically, yeah. in his old feelings. And it passes through, uh, what, one and a half seasons at least? Yeah. Because at the end of the, it, he gets dug up in winter or killed in winter. And at the end of this, they're going into early fall, I think. Yeah. So it, it's very sporadic in these little scenes. So we'll be kind of shifting gears often during this episode. Yes. The first one here is very early on, we can tell, because the first couple lines is like, oh, I'm too hot. Panting no longer cools me down. And he's drinking water from a barrel without using a cup or anything. He's just going face first into it. Mm -hmm. It's very animalistic habits. And he's referring to Beric as heart of the pack every single time. Yeah. Part of the pack looked up with an almost snarl. Use a cup, Fitz. Water ran from my chin. I looked up at him steadily, watching him. Wipe your face. Part of the pack looked away from me, back to his own hands. He had grease on them and was rubbing it into some straps. I snuffed it. I licked my lips. I am hungry, I told him. It's very base urges. Yeah. Especially the stopping and I guess this isn't an urge, but the description of stopping and staring at Burek. Yeah. It's like what a dog does when you reprimand it for doing something it's not supposed to. They get that guilty look of, oh, <laughs> if I just look at you, I'm not doing it. <laughs> or a wolf just like staring down the staring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> He describes that uh, Birk is snarling without showing his teeth at him. He just has a way of doing that with his eyes, which I think is funny because Fitz the human thought that as well. Yeah. He just had a look to him, (laughs) the black look or whatever he calls it. Yeah, yeah. And Birk is trying to get him to sit back down and fix some harness with him, fix some leather straps to remind Fitz of maybe his past get him used to doing something that he used to do as a kid, he and Birk. Right. And part of this intro to how Fitz is now is Fitz not really understanding what it is he's supposed to be doing. Right. It's just a piece of leather and some grease that smells good. But his body remembers. So once Birk kind of leads him in the right direction he's able to mend the harness really well but he as he's doing it is like not associating what is happening with his body with what it means and so it's like a really interesting 
idea that muscle memory is so ingrained in somebody that even if you're, you know, not fully there, you could potentially do something well. And I don't know how, uh, how much fantasy our listeners read or anything, but there's a book I've been trying to get you to read, uh, (laughs) name of the wind by Patrick Rothfuss. It has a concept in there called the waking mind and the sleeping mind. And I, and I feel like it fits in pretty well with these couple chapters because the sleeping mind is similar to your subconscious, but I like the terminology more so because Fitz is trying to bury his memories as right. a human and his waking mind is the only, is the wolf. That's it. That's mm-hmm. like all he wants to remember and all he wants to do because he's hiding from so many emotions Yeah, and his mind is protecting himself and kind of went crazy a little bit Yeah, because his mind is just trying to protect itself and not crack completely under the pressure right yeah it's super interesting so Fitz fixes the harness and he holds it up and tugs on it to show that it would hold even if a horse threw its head back and then he says out loud but there isn't a horse I remembered out loud all the horses are gone this is the first time he speaks out loud really Mm -hmm. (laughs) He, besides saying, I am hungry, this is his first thought. Right. And immediately Night Eyes chimes in and asks, brother? He responds in his head, I come. Rises from his chair and goes to the door to go hunting. Beric reprimands him, says, no, you're, you're inside here tonight. You're not going. Mm-hmm. Come back, sit down. And... He has to remember, Fitz has to remember to speak with his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's super interesting because there's obviously a struggle of power dynamic here where I guess it's not really a struggle because Fitz is obeying Burek as our heart of pack as though he is the leader. But there's like this struggle within fits of why do I have to do this? None of this makes sense. And I don't know why, but it makes him angry. So I have to do it this way. And it, it does very much read like a dog who has been trained. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't quite know its place yet. Right. But understands there's someone that can reprimand him. So he's like obeying for now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very well written in that sense because you can kind of sense the tense edge underneath everything, especially with how Fitz describes heart of the pack Mm -hmm. kind of directing him. Right. Fitz really wants to go hunting so he can eat because he's hungry. Birik says, wait, you have to stay inside. And Birik also yells at Night Eyes to leave. Go away. Feed yourself. There's plenty of hunting out here. You don't have to be here. But Night Eyes doesn't fully run away yet. So Beric takes his time to finish cooking the the food they have for dinner. Fitz is craving fresh meat, like raw steaming meat mm-hmm. like he had with the wolf. And when Beric uncovers a lid of the stew, he's like all of the stew is like cooked vegetables and stuff and barely any meat smell left. It was all cooked away almost and mm-hmm. And I'm sure, knowing Beric, it's like probably mostly cooked meat in that right. stew pot. <laughs> I'm sure the meat is like well done, like the chewy, no hint of blood at all, as far away from raw meat as you can get, just 
just to keep it a fits like away yeah. from anything that could possibly turn him more dog, which I feel like is the logic in Birik's head. Like, right. <laughs> Birik knows how to train animals. That's and true. He mentions that later in the chapter as well. Yeah. So this is, like I said, this was early on in Fitz's reintegration, I guess we can say. However, it is not extremely early because Fitz knows he has to have some manners, although he doesn't think it's manners. It's just things he has to obey and, mm-hmm. you know, inanely follow in order to eat. So he has to wait, even though he gets served the stew right away. He can hold a piece of bread, but he has to wait before he can eat it so beer can sit down. Mm-hmm. He has to wait because he has to take one bite of stew, chew it, and swallow. He can't just shove everything down and gorge himself like an animal would. Or me, whenever I'm really hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Pick up your spoon, he reminded me. Then he slowly sat down in his chair right beside me. I was holding the spoon and the bread and waiting, waiting, waiting. I didn't take my eyes off him but I could not keep my mouth from moving. It made him angry. I shut my mouth again. Finally, he said, we will eat now. But the waiting still had not stopped. One bite I was allowed to take. It must be chewed and swallowed before I took more or he would cuff me. I could take only as much stew as would fit on the spoon. I picked up the cup and drank from it. He smiled at me. Good, Fitz, good boy. And he continues on this a little bit and then says, It took a long time to eat. He had made the stew too hot on purpose so that I would burn my mouth if I took too big a bite. I thought about that for a bit. Then I said, You made the food too hot on purpose, so I will be burned if I eat too fast. His smile came more slowly. He nodded at me. I still finished eating before he did. I had to sit on the chair until he had finished eating too. So you can see there is some reasoning in his head, some deductive reasoning, critical thinking, mm-hmm. that he can, you know, parse what Birik is trying to do. Yeah. But he still hides from it all. Right. And Birik notices it and he's like, okay, there's uh-huh. something there. A little smile, but yes, that's what I'm doing to you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting because... It's just these little tiny cracks at first coming Mm -hmm. through. And as the chapter keeps going, we get more and more of the cracks of humanness coming through. But I almost feel like, especially in this moment, it hurts Burek more when it's a little bit of human showing through because it makes him so hopeful. And then immediately fits us right back to being a dog. And I think, yeah, I think it hurts, but I think we see the decline of Birik throughout this whole chapter. And at the beginning here, he is at his most hopeful. Right. He is like, oh, things are kind of working. He brings out the blackberry brandy for the first time and mm-hmm. it's really cheap. And he's like, here, you used to like this when you were a kid. Um, and Fitz smells it and says, we have never liked it. Which mm-hmm. Birik then sets down the bottle and goes and yells at Night Eyes, like, go away. I told you to go hunt. Yeah. I think this brings up the start of an idea that is forming in my head as I'm reading this, that it's kind of Night Eye's fault it takes so long yeah, for kind Fitz of. to go back. Yeah. 
I think it's coming from a protective place. I think I think they're both reaching out to each other. I think Fitz is definitely trying to seclude himself in that mindset, and Night Eyes can tell. Right. And is there just to try to protect him. Right. Because I think, I mean, I'm not trying to blame a dog for a man's problems. Uh Wolf. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Night Eyes. (laughs) Uh, But... It does throughout this chapter feel as though a lot of what is slowing Fitz down is Night Eyes holding him back. Yeah. And I understand where Night Eyes is coming from because to a dog, none of this makes sense. And it's just Fitz, my wit partner, got hurt really, really bad. There you are with the insults again. <laughs> what? Calling him a dog. I can't help it. He's just a good pup. <laughs> <laughs> He's a wolf. But... To a wolf, it doesn't make sense, and his wit partner got hurt really bad. He almost died, and in his brain, he's just worked out that if Fitz goes back to the way he was, he'll die again. Yeah. Which is not—I mean, I guess true, but not necessarily true. (laughs) You can also—I mean, later on in this chapter— when Fitz is starting to remember some things, Night Eyes tells him to step away from that pain because mm-hmm. it does mentally and physically hurt Fitz to remember some of those things. Right. And so Fitz does. I feel like there's a little bit of a give and take there because Fitz doesn't want to remember that pain. A little part of him does. Right. A little part of him is like, I should, you know, yeah, continue with my role or whatever. And I think that's the part that Night Eyes is trying to silence, but a large part of Fitz is also like, I don't want to remember this either because it hurts. Right. And remember, they are bonded. Like, I I feel like Night Eyes could feel that anguish when it happens, too. That's fair. That's fair. So I don't fully blame Night Eyes. I know you're not either. Right. But I don't fully blame him for trying to protect Fitz because you're right. He, he doesn't understand. He's a wolf. But also... Fitz is trying to hide from it too. <laughs> yeah, no, it is also, and major a majority of it is on Fitz. It just, I think, is not helped by right. <laughs> Night Eyes holding him back. While Birik is yelling at Night Eyes, Fitz remembers something that happened very, very early on when Birik and Fitz started living in this remote cabin. He meaning Fitz, got mad at Birik and went for his throat. Mm-hmm. So they had a... They had an argument. Night Eyes was outside, and Fitz was, like, whining, actually whining to get outside to be with Night Eyes. Right. And Birik tried to assert dominance, saying, You are younger. I am older and I know more. I fight better than you. I hunt better than you do. I am always above you. You will do everything I want you to do. You will always do everything I tell you to do. Do you understand that? Yes, I had told him. Yes, that is Pack. I understand. I understand. But he had only struck me again and held me there, throat wide, until I told him with my mouth, yes, I understand. So, like, he had gone for Birik, and Birik had put him down and put him in his place. And that's why we have this dynamic right now. Right, yeah. And it is sad (laughs) to read about. It's a very detached retelling from Fitz. 
But thinking through Burek's lens. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. His son is now basically an animal and your worst fear has come true. This is literally the thing that Bjork has been warning Fitz about for forever. And the only reason he's here is because Bjork made him do this. Yep. And now he has to treat him like a literal dog. We've we've talked Wolf. about uh, Bjork before and how he's basically the personification of like guilt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In this story. And this is like exasperating. Yeah, like, exacerbating that to poor, an nth degree. Poor Burek. And honestly, Robin Hobb did him dirty for this. <laughs> like, yeah. this is not nice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think, honestly, I feel like this time period is what makes Burek react so harshly when his future son yeah. has the wit. Swift. And what makes him so violently oppose him doing anything with the wit. I think he was pretty harsh with Fitz too, but it almost felt like there was a little bit of, okay, maybe this isn't as bad as I thought. And as long as there's some distinction, it's fine. But after seeing what happened to Fitz, I think that really just breaks something in him. And he is so scared that that will happen to another one of his sons. Mm -hmm. And so I really... I really think, especially rereading this, this is probably what hurts Fitz's cha- or Swift's chances in the future of being accepted. Right. Right. Going back to, I guess, present day <laughs> in this telling, <laughs> at least in this little scene, Birk urges Fitz to try some of the, the cheap brandy. He says... Try it, he urged me. Just a little. You used to like it. You used to drink it in town when you were younger and not supposed to go into taverns without me. And then you would chew mint and think I would not know what you had done. I shook my head at him. I would not do what you told me not to do. I understood. He made his sound that is like choking and sneezing. Oh, you used to very often do what I had told you not to do. Very often. (laughs) I shook my head again. I do not remember it. (laughs) he continues to try to get him to taste it and Fitz refuses and then tries a little bit and he says it stung my mouth and nose and I could not snort the taste away I spilled what was left in the cup well wouldn't patience be pleased was all he said and he cleaned it up Mm -hmm. yeah that's our first little scene yeah He's so like there. There's little cracks that you see, like you mentioned before. There's right. little tiny things that Birk sees as well, like the comment about the horses or saying, mm-hmm. you know, you made this too hot, so I didn't have to eat it so fast. There's little tiny human things that are peeking through. Right. But a lot of it's like I don't remember anything. I don't remember who you're talking about. I never liked this stuff. I never did what I was not told to do. Uh huh. And Birk knows, like, well, obviously you're lying (laughs) to yourself and to me, (laughs) because... Yeah, because you never follow directions. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the very beginning. That's where where we kind of start. Yeah. And we see the very beginning animalistic going for Birk's throat, Mm -hmm. because he wanted to hunt so badly with night eyes, to... You know, not mannered, but obeying because he has to. Definitely obedience. With a little bit of cracks of human showing through. 
And then Fitz also mentions here that sometimes he has seizures. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would shake and fall down. There was no reason. My chest hurt and my back hurt. Sometimes I bit my tongue. I did not like those times. They frightened night eyes. And sometimes there was another with night eyes in me. Another who thought with us. He was very small, but he was there. I did not want him there. I did not want anyone there ever again except night eyes in me. He knew that and made himself so small that most of the time he was not there. That's Verity. That is Verity. And if he didn't know before that Fitz was witted, he 100% does now. Yeah, yeah. And nothing changes about their relationship. No, I think he knew. That's why I think he kind of thought beforehand that he was. Also, maybe he's just really tired. True. (laughs) He's just glad Fitz is alive. He's like, I don't care. (laughs) But also, I feel like it might be a little wild for Verity to just like pop in and be like, whoa, what is going on in here? (laughs) And just seeing like how dog like Fitz is. And that makes me wonder, because I don't know anything about how the skill works, um, but I wonder if he can see the, like, wall of memories or, like, tell that there's a blockage there that's purposeful by Fitz. Yeah, possibly. I think a little bit. Right. Next scene here says, later a man came, and this man is Chade. Fitz uses Night Eyes' sense, sense of smells particularly, to smell Jade coming through. Warns Birk that a man is coming, and Birk is very protective. He instantly grabs a big knife and is ready before Fitz can identify him as the Grey One. So Jade is welcomed in. He is described as thin and old, but heart of the pack always behaved as if he were a pack higher. He looked at me for a time with his light-colored eyes as if he were waiting. Then he spoke to Heart of the Pack. Which, in full context, that little line always gets me sad. Because Chade is, like, walking in, just waiting for him, like, hey, is he gonna greet me? Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about that. He's just looking at Fitz, like, yes, yes, he could be just, you know, scanning him over to see how he has progressed because he's analytical and... It's probably somewhat of an experiment as well to him, but also heartbreaking. Yeah, because at the end of this chapter, we get a, a lovely scene where he does greet right. Jade. Yeah. But right here, he's just kind of like staring at him like, hey, is is Fitz in there? Yeah. Is he going to recognize me? Which, to be fair, it would be really weird if somebody that you basically raised didn't acknowledge your presence at all. They're right. staring at you. Yeah. But they're not like... Mm-hmm. saying anything at all it would be very strange i yeah. i get that it would be like uh okay well <laughs> what next jade asked for an update on fitz's health and how he's doing how he's coming along birk says that three days ago he mended a bit of harness for me and he hasn't had a seizure in a week at least so he's doing okay i guess <laughs> also he said jade's actual name yeah fitz did yeah fitz did which is apparently big Mm -hmm. Um, which is interesting to know. Yeah, definitely. And they gathered around the fire to talk. Beric and Chade and Fitz. Well, Fitz didn't do much talking, but they all were given cups of brandy. 
Fitz doesn't really sip his at all. <laughs> but uh, he watches and doesn't really listen to Beric and Chade. The Grey One had heard something about a woman. It might be crucial, a rallying point for the duchies. Part of the pack said, I won't talk about it in front of Fitz, I promised. The Grey One asked him if he thought I understood, and Heart of the Pack said that th that didn't matter, he had given his word. I wanted to go to sleep, but they made me sit still in a chair. When the Old One had to leave, Heart of the Pack said, It is very dangerous for you to come here, so far a walk for you. Will you be able to get back in? The Grey One just smiled. I have my ways, Beric, he said. I smiled too remembering that he had always been proud of his secrets. I love the, I, I love this chapter. I don't like how Fitz is, but I love right. this chapter for the writing and how pretty much at the end of every single scene could be the end of a chapter. Yeah. Like it's written with a little like little teaser, a little uh -huh. hint of maybe he's getting better. He remembers a little bit more. Right. It's it's really well written. Yeah. And I do want to go back to what I started with. Uh, heard of something about a woman. It might be crucial. A rallying point for the duchies. What do you think that refers to? Molly is pregnant and people are making rumors about it. I I don't think people are making rumors about it, but I do think it's about Molly and how Chade found out that she is pregnant and could be an heir and could be a rallying point for the six duchies in the future. That is a, it's another farseer that yeah. is alive and could be raised. That's fair. Yeah. Except I don't know. It, it is a little sus to me because Fitz wasn't in line for the throne. So I don't know how they're going to argue that his kid is, you know, like versus Regal, who is technically a full coastal duchies would accept it. Would they, because they dropped him when he was dead so, i mean when also he was, he was dead <laughs> yeah and dead yeah i think but. they would especially i mean chade is not above saying like this was you know verity's bastard kid or something you know oh fair enough they, they're he's not above that that's a good point that they could he would look enough like a farseer yeah or she which it is a she but mm -hmm. the child would look like a farseer so Fair enough. Our next little vignette here is Beric leaving, still referred to as Heart of the Pack. One day, Heart of the Pack went out and left me alone. He did not tie me. He just said, there are some oats here. If you want to eat while I'm gone, you'll have to remember how to cook them. If you go out of the door or the window, or, or if you even open the door or the window, I will know it, and I will beat you to death. Do you understand that? I do, I said. He seemed very angry at me, but I could not remember doing anything he had not told me not to do, or he had told me not to do. He took some coins with him, and one thing he did grab, it was shiny and curved like a moon, and had smelled of blood when I first got it. I had fought another for it. I could not remember that I had wanted it, but I had fought and won it. I did not want it now. He held it up on its chain to look at it, then put it in a pouch. I did not care that he took it away. And I'm pretty sure that's the necklace he got from the Out Islander. Yeah. Uh, as a trophy for like the captain he had killed. 
Yeah, I was gonna say mm-hmm. at first I was like, what is he what is this describing? And then I was like, Oh yeah, the mm-hmm. pendant that there was that whole like two paragraph rant about Yep. Like last book. <laughs> yes. Yes. Somewhere in the middle of last book. Mm-hmm. He continues on that he was very hungry before Beer came back because Fitz did not make himself food. No. Also, just quick pause. What do you think Bjerk is doing with all this stuff? Oh, I mean, he's bringing coins to Molly. Yeah. It's, it comes pretty clear in the next part of this paragraph, to be honest. Right. But why now? Because he heard from Chade that she was pregnant. Well, he, he knew. knew. He knew, but like probably heard from Chade where she was or talked to Chade about it. Hmm. That'd be my guess. I guess. I don't know. I feel like it just feels very out of the blue. Like, why? Why now? I wonder if this is a little bit of him losing hope. I think a little bit. Of like, well, Fitz is never going to be back to help, so I will give his money to her. Yeah, probably a little bit of that. Yeah. I just I just connected those two things because Chade was in the previous scene. Right, <laughs> and then, right. Then he leaves. So, but that that could definitely be it too. Beer comes back and Fitz notices that there's a smell on him, a female smell, not strong, and mixed with the smells of a meadow. But it was a good smell that made me want something, something that was not food or water or hunting. I came close to him to smell it. But he did not notice that. He just was cooking the porridge and sitting, looking in the fire, looking very sad. And so Fitz grabs the bottle of brandy and a cup and took them to Birik. And he grabbed them from him, but Birik did not smile. Maybe tomorrow I shall teach you to fetch, he told me. Maybe that's something you could master. Then he drank all the brandy that was in the bottle and opened another bottle after that. After he fell asleep, I took his coat that had the smell on it. I put it on the floor and lay on it, smelling it until I fell asleep. I dreamed, but it made no sense. There had been a female who smelled like Birk's coat, and I had not wanted her to go. She was my female, but when she left, I did not follow. That was all I could remember. Remembering it was not good, in the same way that being hungry or thirsty was not good. Which is a couple things here. Yes, I, Birk is losing hope here. He's turned back to drinking. Mm-hmm. He got more brandy and he's drinking heavily now. Yes. Instead of, as we have noted before, not drinking to fix someone or something or having yeah. a task. He's kind of... Considering his task failed at this point, probably mm-hmm. thinking in guilt of, you know, chivalry's son is not living up to what Beric thought he should do. And that's his fault. Mm-hmm. Things like that. I mean, also, I'm sure the talk with Molly was hard. Oh, yeah. I don't know if Molly had heard that Beric had disowned Fitz. I'm not sure what she knows of the end days of Fitz in the dungeon but i think it probably didn't go well because i'm sure molly wasn't exactly a friendly no she's very (laughs) proud as well and probably wouldn't easily accept the coin right but 
she also knows that Fitz is dead, so maybe she would take it as, like, for their kid. <laughs> I think she's proud, but I also think it gets to a point where you just want to make sure that your child is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that was a really hard meeting. And then coming back and Fitz is just waiting. He has not eaten at all. He didn't even try. That would be even more of a low blow of like, wow, okay, he really is gone. I have nothing. Yeah. I do want to note something at the end of this. It changed at the beginning of this scene. It starts with Heart of the Pack left and it ends with Birik's coat. Yeah. He shifts to calling him Birik now with remembering and smelling Molly's smell. Mm-hmm. That's just another piece of humanity coming back in. Mm-hmm. There's a lot uh, going on with the next part as well. Birik is not trying as hard. It's a very short scene here. It's just like a, two paragraphs. And it's just saying, you know, he was making me stay in. He had made me stay in for a long, long time when all I wanted to do was go out. And now it was raining all the time. So, I, you know, I didn't really want to go out anymore. So that's fine. Right, which is a very human yeah, thing, I think. It is. But also kind of a wolf thing. I don't know if they would want to be out in the rain all the time. Could be animal-like. Yeah, I suppose. I just think that it... It's kind of straddling a little yeah. bit between. He says Birik's name, and Fitz says he looks up very suddenly. I thought he was going to attack. He moved so quickly. I tried not to cower. Cowering made him angry sometimes. What is it, Fitz? He asked, and his voice was kind. I am hungry, I said. Now. And Birik just gives him food. Yeah. Big piece of jerky that he eats too fast, but Birik doesn't hit him or cuff him or reprimand him in any way. He's just letting in. Yeah. I do wonder if the fast reaction from Burek is because this is the first time he, he said... He addressed him by his name. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought, too. Yeah, this is... That's why he's kind at first. Mm-hmm. And also maybe why he... Could be why he lets it go a little bit more... Just because That's I'll true. reward you for remembering yeah. my name and not calling me hard right. of back. <laughs> right. But also, I think it is the slipping of Birik's mentality. And, I mean, to be fair, he's basically alone. It's just him. The only other human near him is basically mostly Wolf and isn't really a conversationalist. So... It would be really lonely and hard. Yeah. And it would not be a fun time to try to help Fitz out of this funk. The next scene is Fitz scratching at his beard and approaching Birik and saying, I don't like this. He looked surprised, but he gave me very hot water and soap and a very sharp knife. He gave me a round glass with a man in it. I looked at it for a long time. It made me shiver. His eyes were like Birik's, with white around them, but even darker. Not wolf eyes. His coat was dark like Birik's, but the hair on his jaws was uneven and rough. I touched my beard and saw fingers on the man's face. It was strange. Shave, but be careful, Birik told me. So Fitz shaves, and he has a bunch of tiny cuts on his face. And he approaches Birik again and says, 
in his head that he looked like the man in the round glass afterwards. Fitz, I thought, almost like Fitz. I'm bleeding everywhere, I told Birik. He laughed at me. You always bleed after you shave. You always try to hurry too much. Sit still, he told me. You've missed some spots. So Birik shaves him. Shaves him clean. And after that, he asks, Fitz? He turned his head and smiled at me. But then the smile faded when I just looked at him. He gave me a brush. There is no horse to brush, I told him. He looked almost pleased. Brush this, he told me, and roughed up my hair. He made me brush it until it would lie flat. There were sore places on my head. Birik frowned when he saw me wince. He took the brush away and made me stand still while he looked and touched beneath my hair. Bastard, he said harshly, and when I cowered, he said, Not you. He shook his head slowly. He patted me on the shoulder. The pain will go away with time. Fitz is groomed. He looks almost like Fitz or himself again. Right. He's looking like a man. But we see some of the damage still that Regal has left him. He's still not fully healed. His skull is still broken mm-hmm. in places. Birik is kind of smiling at a few things that Fitz does. But again, we see that Fitz is not fully there. Right. I do want to say that... In reading all these situations where people are talking to Fitz and he doesn't respond because there's no need to. I don't know. It's that human thing that he's lacking of somebody's talking to me. I should say something to acknowledge. Um, And it really reminds me of him when he was very young because he used to not talk. He was weird. Yeah. And it was very animalistic. And (laughs) he was weird. (laughs) Yeah, I guess he's pretty much a weirdo the whole time. Um, He's our weirdo, though. That's true. (laughs) But I think it reminds me a little bit of when he was young. And I did have a thought um, because in this, he says he doesn't remember anything. And I wonder if maybe they gave Fitz away his grandfather because of the wit. Maybe something happened with an animal, and yeah, maybe after he had gotten back into his body, he because his grandfather didn't was six duchies stock. Yeah, so that's definitely possible. Although I don't know why he wouldn't then just kill him instead of taking him to the prince to be the prince's problem. But yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe he's just creating too many issues, not necessarily with the wit or like that he knew that it was the wit, right? But just. Issues, not talking, not contributing, and costing money. Because I think that was the original reason. Right. I can't support your mother and you. Right. I don't know. It just made me, it really reminded me of when he was young. Right, right. And also, Burek, I guess, because after he's shaved, he looks more like old Fitz and causes Burek to hope a little bit. Maybe he's still in there. I think this is my favorite of the excerpts because there's so much almost human about Fitz here. There's so much memories peeking through without him realizing their memories. And I think the biggest indicator of this is when Burek shouts bastard and it makes Fitz flinch. And Burek doesn't really acknowledge it, but I think it's big because... I mean, that's what he was called this whole life. And it's almost like a recognition of that means me. 
And it's so, I don't know. It's just so interesting that that little thing peeks through. And I find it interesting also that Burek doesn't necessarily notice. Habit. I'm just saying, not you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I just found this. I I think this part is really just very well-written and interesting. Mm -hmm. And Fitz wakes up from a nightmare eventually. And Burek, of course, is still very protective. He still is getting hope once in a while, but from his visit with Molly, obviously, hard Mm -hmm. talks. Sometimes gets down. He's drinking heavily once in a while, but he's still very hopeful and still very protective that Fitz can become a human again, wholly human again. He says, what's wrong, Fitz? Are you all right? He took me from my mother, I said. He took me away from her. I was much too young to be gone from her. I know, he said, I know. But it was a long time ago. You're here now and safe. He looked almost frightened. He smoked the den, I told him. He made my mother and brothers into hides. His face changed and his voice was no longer kind. No, Fitz, that was not your mother. That was a wolf's dream. Night eyes. It might have happened to night eyes, but not you. Oh, yes, it did, I told him, and I was suddenly angry. Oh, yes, it did, and it felt just the same. Just the same. I got up from my bed and walked around the room. I walked for a very long time until I could stop feeling that feeling again. He sat and watched me. He drank a lot of brandy while I walked. Certain things, again, like they just kind of peek through and that's not something that Fitz ever had before night nightmares about his mother. So Birk was kind of scared and like, hey, no, it's it's going to be okay. Yeah, maybe he's remembering something. And then again... The night eyes memories peek through and he just drinks one step forward, two steps back. Yep. And I also I I think this really points to the similarities between night eyes and Fitz and also maybe why night eyes is trying to hold him back from remembering. Yeah, Um, they both lost their mothers young or were taken from their mothers young and they were both abused in a cage. And I feel like. Night Eyes remembering his time in a cage is like, I'm going to save you from this, from remembering this, because it's not it's not a nice feeling. It's not a good memory. Yeah. And I think I understand in this spot why they are so close and how they bonded so well together, because they are very similar. And. It's not fair of Burek to say it didn't happen to you, so you shouldn't be upset about it because right, yeah. he is still feeling it. So, <laughs> I mean, Burek does want him to cut off Night Eyes completely, though. Right, so he, right. in his head, yes, you should stop feeling that. <laughs> yeah, but it also is a little <laughs> bit of that like yeah. anger, but you it's a little misplaced because you don't know how to express it properly. So right. you're like just angry at everything. Fitz in the next couple scenes here is more and more human. He can hold conversations now. Mm-hmm. And there's one that starts here that's very interesting. He says, it would be a good morning to go out riding. He looks over at Birik, And Birik comes next to him and looks out the window and beside him. It's still winter up in the mountains, Birik said softly. I wonder if Ketrikin got home safely. If she didn't, it wasn't Sooty's fault, I said. 
Then something turned over and hurt inside me, so that for a moment I couldn't catch my breath. I tried to think of what it was, but it ran away from me. I didn't want to catch up with it, but I knew it was a thing I should hunt. It would be like hunting a bear. When I got up close to it, it would turn on me and try to hurt me. But something about it made me want to follow anyway. I took a deep breath and shuddered it out. I drew in another with a sound that caught in my throat. Beside me, Birk was very still and silent, waiting for me. Brother, you are a wolf. Come back. Come away from that. It will hurt you, Night Eyes warned me. I leaped back from it. Then Birk went stamping about the room, cursing things and letting the porridge burn. And that's just another moment where Birk, Birk is so frustrating at this point because he can tell that there's something there that Fitz is himself is holding back or trying to forget or right. stepping away from. He doesn't really know that Night Eyes is stepping in at this point, probably. Maybe he can tell that there's communication at that point, but still, there's something that he's right on the precipice of that Fitz doesn't let him get beyond. I think that's why he is cursing and throwing a fit and burning the porridge because he heard Night Eyes tell him, you think no, so? you're a wolf, get back. Mm. That's why I thought, because we don't ever see this explosive of a reaction for him not remembering things. Maybe. I think I think it was frustration just because he was so close to something. And you could tell, like, there was that conversation. Fitz had those couple shuddering breaths, like he was struggling with something emotionally. Right. And then later on, Birk tells Chade, like, I think in maybe a couple scenes here, he tells Chade, like, there are moments where he's about to remember something and then holds himself back from it. Right. He doesn't mention Night Eyes in there. So well, that's why I kind of figured that it was mainly just frustration about right. close. I don't know. I think maybe he doesn't know how much Night Eyes influences, but I would think especially in this moment, number one, because they're close in proximity to each other, but number two, because Fitz is so like eager to go forward and then suddenly leaps back from it. It's yeah. not like a, a, nope, I don't want to think about that. It's like a, what is, oh, I better not. And I feel like yeah. that's more of a response of when somebody tells you not to do something. And Maybe. Yeah. I guess I've always just read this part specifically as a reaction to Night Eyes. It, he's more mad at Night Eyes than Fitz. Let us but know what you guys not. think. Do you think uh, Birik is kind of privy to everything that Night Eyes and Fitz are talking about mostly throughout these all, all these scenes, specifically this scene, but all of them? Because I feel like he would have to be if he can kind of ascertain the meaning of what their communication is. Mm -hmm. Or do you think they've maintained the like the habit of being very tight in the communication around Birik? Because I remember that was like their habit beforehand. I don't just know. to like avoid, you know, angering I, him. Yeah, I don't know that that meant that he couldn't hear them before either. You know what I mean? Like, I'm. Yeah, I we guess do, we my, just don't yeah, know. We enough. don't know. Um, <laughs> That's always the response. We just don't know enough. Right. But I just, I'm thinking back to Black Ralph and how he says that Night Eyes and Fitz basically yell, and anybody with wit can hear them. Yeah, but Black Black Ralph has the skill, and he doesn't think he does. Mm. Yeah, you're right. We've That's, had this conversation. Yeah, that before. always like blocks my reasoning for using Black Ralph for things as like a standard, because that is yeah. like the most conversation we get with Fitz, like in multiple scenes. Right. We have Webb as well, but nothing really talking about how it works. 
except for Black Rolf. But Black Rolf is like another exception. Right. Which is hard. Yeah. I don't know. It, it does make it hard. I just think maybe there is truth to it. And right. there's a possibility that makes that. I think that's why, because I believe Black Rolf just, I don't care if he has skill or not. Um, so I'm just on. In the mindset of at this point, yeah. anything fits a saying to Night Eyes, Bjerg can always hear. And maybe yeah, sometimes they're possible. not yeah. as loud, but yeah. But it's definitely possible. I don't know. And the uh, the follow-up to that with that close almost remembering is that Bjerg wouldn't let him, leave him alone for a while, asking him more questions. Do you remember this person? Do you remember this? Do you remember that? And... He would tell Fitz names and try to make Fitz remember who they were and say who they were. A woman, I told him when he said patience, a woman in a room with plants. I had tried, but he still got angry with me. Right. This one feels like an anger of she's so much more than that and she deserves more than that, probably because... See, of I, how she treated him in death, you disagree? I think it's a continuation of the frustration from the previous scene. Right. Of just like, I know Fitz knows this, but he's right. holding himself back. That's what I That's think fair. is like his anger throughout right. all of these. I do think so. he's getting increasingly more frustrated with Fitz. I, but I thought the anger here, my reading of it was that he was mad because... Don't talk patience, about patience like yeah, that Yeah, patience deserves your memory. <laughs> <laughs> she buried you. <laughs> We also we also get talk of Fitz's nightmares starting here. Yeah. His actual nightmares, not Night Eyes's nightmares no. shared. This is of fear, mm-hmm. of pain, of dreams that would hold him down and keep him from breathing. Dreams of trembling light, dancing on a stone wall, and eyes at a small window. It's him being in the the cell. Yeah. It's a lot of trauma to have gone through and not recall. Right. And with him slowly regaining more and more of his humanness, Mm -hmm. those memories are bound to slowly resurface as well. Right. And it's a sad thing that it's not always the happy stuff that peeks through. It's not, not always just an innocent, oh, there's no horses to ride, though. Yeah. Sometimes it's the horrible things that happen to him. And it makes me really sad for him, especially in this moment, because he doesn't quite understand what it is. And I think this is also a big reason why he is not healing faster. Mm-hmm. I think this really deters him. Oh, yeah. I mean... Who would want to relive that? Who would want who wouldn't try to escape that in some way if you had the opportunity and you'd gone through this? So it's just so sad because as frustrating as it is for Fitz to be slowly healing and to slowly be coming back to humanity, you also feel the fear and struggle that he is going through. And it just is so heartbreaking of hurry up and get back to normal fits. But also I am so sorry. You have to hurry up and get back to normal. (laughs) And so he learns to sleep in the daylight outside smelling grass and earth. He doesn't get those dark dreams. Then instead a woman came to press herself sweetly against me. 
Her scent was the same as the meadow flowers, and her mouth tasted of honey. The pain of those dreams came when I awoke, and knew she was gone forever, taken by another. At night I sat and looked at the fire. I tried not to think of cold stone walls, nor of dark eyes weeping, and a sweet mouth gone heavy with bitter words. I did not sleep. I dared not even lie down. Birik did not make me. And so he's also slowly remembering Molly as well, and dreaming of her, and having great dreams, but then having to wake up in the reality of remembering that none of those things can happen again mm -hmm. because he left those behind, but right. also not understanding the context because he won't let himself remember the context. Right. And to human Fitz's mind, she has a new boyfriend. Yeah. So she, she left him for somebody else. Yeah. Who loved her Yeah. or who she had to love or something. Yeah. I don't remember the exact wording. <laughs> Something that heavily implied a baby. Yes. <laughs> or a she would grow thing. to love. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One day, Chade comes back. He had grown his beard long, and he wore a wide-brimmed hat like a peddler, but I knew him all the same. Birk wasn't at home when he arrived, but I let him in. I did not know why he had come. Do you want some brandy, I asked, thinking perhaps that was why he had come. He looked closely at me and almost smiled. Fitz, he said. He turned his head sideways to look into my face. So, how have you been? I didn't know the answer to that question, so I just looked at him. After a time, he put the kettle on. He grabs out some things as well. His, like, scrying basin and some, you know, packets of herbs and things like that. Some tea, some cheese, some smoked fish. Beer comes back with some fish. And Jade asked him if you, uh, that, you know, basically a rhetorical, you leave him alone now? Yeah, asking. <laughs> like, is he good enough now? Yeah. Jade asked if he trusts Fitz. And Birk says, looking aside from Jade, I've trained a lot of animals. Teaching one to do what you tell is not the same as trusting a man. So even Birk is kind of viewing him as... He's not a man. He's just trained well at this point. He's a trained animal. Yeah. Which is kind of true, but so yeah. sad that he's thinking of Fitz in that way. But it's true. I mean, we can see in Fitz's mindset his reasoning. It doesn't go deeper than, I didn't know the answer, so I just stared at him for a while. Right. Like, hey, what? now what? Like, right. Or, oh, they had brandy last time. I don't know why Chade came. Maybe he wants brandy again, so I'll ask him if he wants brandy. Mm-hmm. It's it's very simplistic and just kind of connecting basic dots right. together, which yes, I mean, a very well trained animal, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but very intelligent dog. Yes. So, Shade, after they eat, brings up to Birik. I want to try the herbs, or the water, or the crystal, something, anything. I begin to think that he's not really in there. He is. Birik asserted quietly. Give him time. I don't think the herbs are a good idea for him. Before he changed, he was getting too fond of herbs. Toward the end, he was always either ill or charged full of energy. If he was not in the depths of sorrow, he was exhausted from fighting or from being Kingsman to Verity or Shrewd. Then he'd be into the elf bark instead of resting. He'd forgotten how to just rest and let his body recover. 
He'd never wait for it. That last night, you gave him kerosene, didn't you? Foxglove said she'd never seen anything like it. I think more folk might have come to his aid if they hadn't been so frightened of him. Poor old Blade thought he had gone stark raving mad. He never forgave himself for taking him down. I wish he could know the boy hadn't actually died. This starts an argument, but before that, it's an interesting look into the things that Burek was noticing about Fitz. Um, even though Fitz wasn't necessarily being open about his use of different drugs, Burek still knew and apparently heavily disapproved. He was going a mile a minute. Yeah. In, in our eyes in the second book, that was all justified what Fitz did. Right. Not necessarily his decisions or like if it was smart to do, mm-hmm. but him deciding like a course of action and being like, okay, now I need to be okay enough to do this. Right. It was like, okay, well, yeah, you have to do this now. If you decided to, mm-hmm. you better take some elf bark. Yeah. You got it. You got to take the drugs. But and, looking from an outside perspective, like Birk brings up. Uh huh. Actually, yeah, it is bad. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to get that outside perspective because Fitz is our narrator and is flawed. So. But everything we read is justified through his eyes. Right. It's it's a very fun game of pretending to be in somebody else's head and seeing really a, an exercise of how people can justify things, whether or not they're wrong. And so Birik says the drugs right now would not be a good idea. I don't want him to try any herbs or anything like that. Uh, just keep him on an even keel. Right. And bringing up his last night of kind of using a you statement of saying you gave him the kerosene. Right. It kind of puts Jade in a weird position almost because he tries to defend himself by saying there was no time to choose. I, I gave him what I had on hand, and that makes Burek a little mad. So he retorts, well, you could have refused. And Chade has to remind him, you can't tell Fitz no. <laughs> He'll he do whatever stubborn. he wants. Yeah. <laughs> and you he was him. really weak, so it was either let him go out there and die on his own or help him to hopefully stay alive. Right. During that Fitz goes and lays down on the hearth. Beric commands him to sit up on a stool. Fitz sighs but obeys because he's well trained. Mm-hmm. And so this is where Beric's like, I'd like to keep him on an even keel. He just needs time to do everything on his own. He remembers sometimes and then he fights it off. I don't think he wants to remember, Jade. I don't think he really wants to go back to being Fitz chivalry. Maybe he liked being a wolf. Maybe he liked it so much he's never coming back. He has to come back, Jade said quietly. We need him. Beric sat up. He'd had his feet on, up on the wood pile, but now he set them on the floor. He leaned toward Jade. You've had word? Not I, but Patience has, I think. It's very frustrating sometimes to be the rat behind the wall. So what did you hear? Only Patience and Lacey talking about wool. Why is that important? They wanted wool to weave a very soft cloth for a baby or a small child. It will be born at the end of our harvest, but that's the beginning of winter in the mountains. So let us make it thick, Patience said. 
Perhaps for Ketrikin's child. Beric looked startled. Patience knows about Ketrikin? Jade laughed. I don't know. Who knows what that woman knows? She has changed much of late. She gathers the buckkeep guard into the palm of her hand, and Lord Bright does not even see it happening. I think now that we should have let her know our plan, included her from the beginning, but perhaps not. It might have been easier for me if we had, if we had Beric stared deep into the fire. Jade shook his head. I'm sorry. She had to believe that you had abandoned Fitz, rejected him for his use of the wit. If you had gone after the body, Regal might have become suspicious. We had to make Regal believe she was the only one who cared enough to bury him. And before I continue on, because this... I do want to read more of that, because it's a, a very integral to what Birk is feeling right now. Mm-hmm. I do want to talk about how patience is awesome. Right. And how... Everyone underestimates her? Yes, uh... But how patience is awesome and how Ketrikin is still expected to have the baby right now. Right. Yeah. In the eyes of patience and right. Lacey. Because I think we learn later that she is uh, no longer pregnant technically at like around this point. Right. I think the journey was too hard. Right. As well. And. I do think even if Patience doesn't know anything, it would be really smart of her to act as though she does and to prepare for a future child because it sets up everything. It sets up the idea that um, Ketrikan is still out there and technically she is she and her child are more in line for the throne than regal mm-hmm. i don't know so i think it's smart on her part even if it is just a big bluff yeah definitely but yeah she's she we learn a little bit more about buckkeep right here which is awesome she is slowly consolidating her power she has not started the ivy runners yet Mm-mm. but she is getting the guard on her side and in her pocket instead of lord bright's because i'm sure lord bright is not it's not very bright Right. <laughs> and can't run a, a castle as well as she can. Yeah. So we see some of her competence come through. And this is what we were kind of discussing during the first book when we were talking about if Patience, you know, if Chivalry hadn't died, would Patience become an actually good queen mm-hmm. in the eyes of, you know, the rulers? And this is where it's like the evidence comes in where like she has it in her but did she need the catalyst of being alone, of having her son die, of all of this, you know, falling apart for her to pick it up herself? Yeah, that's fair. Because sometimes, you know, the pressure makes the hero, as they say. So it could be that she needed the circumstance to be able to rise. She did have it in her. She did have it in her. And I think that's important is that she could, she obviously did and could rule if she would have been given the chance. Yeah. It was probably harder to see because chivalry was so perfect and there was really no need for her to be super good at ruling, but she definitely can hold her own. Yeah. And so 
Shade is left here trying to comfort Beric just with the reality of the situation. We had right. to let patients think that you hated Fitz and abandoned him and didn't want anything to do with his body to put Regal off the scent. And Beric comes back. She hates me now. And I think this really opens up why this is so hard for Beric. Maybe not the why totally, but... A big reason why he's struggling. Patience is important to him and his honor is important to him. And having someone that he cares about think so low of him is a huge blow, I think, to his confidence. But I also think it would make it hard because at first you can justify, well, it was needed and I'm going to get fits back to normal. So it doesn't matter anyway. And now with all of these failures piling up in his eyes, you're just stuck with, I lost everything and I couldn't even tell patients that, yeah. you know, what had really happened. She hates me now. She told me I had no loyalty nor courage. Birk looked at his hands and his voice tightened. I knew she had stopped loving me years ago when she gave her heart to chivalry. I, I could accept that. He was a man worthy of her and I had walked away from her first. So I could live with her not loving me, because I felt she still respected me as a man. But now, she despises me. I... He shook his head, then closed his eyes tightly. For a moment, all was still. Then Burek straightened himself slowly and turned to Chade. His voice was calm as he asked, So you think Patience knows that Ketrikin fled to the mountains? And there he is again, burying everything that he feels. Mm -hmm. Being upset that Fitz is doing the exact same thing. But right. but that that demonstrates exactly what you were saying. She no longer respects him as a man. She despises him. She told told him he has no loyalty. Yeah. Like literally cutting into the very thing that the very foundation of who Beric wanted to mold himself after his wild youth. Yeah. Of being loyal to the crown. That's why he gave up patience. Mm -hmm. Like, I have to be loyal to do this thing. And now she's cut him where it hurts, where yeah. she knew it would hurt. But also thinking from patience's oh, no, perspective. Oh, no, yeah. 100% from her view. Yeah. That's what it is. Can you imagine the anger she must have been feeling? Like, he needs you, and you are abandoning him. You are the worst. And probably, I mean, she already didn't really have a favorable opinion of Beric, but this is like, this proves me right. I knew. Mm -hmm. I knew you couldn't love anybody. You're just like <laughs> your father. <laughs> Which makes no sense. She no, that's just, <laughs> I just feel like that's like a trope of, like, yeah. married couple fighting. <laughs> And so they, they kind of discuss about, you know, how could patients maybe know that Ketrakin's in the Mountain Kingdom? And Chade discusses how Regal is very mad because they couldn't find Ketrakin and sent messages to King Aeod. And King Aeod's like, well, she's the queen of six duchies. She, what she does there is of no concern to me. This is the Mountain Kingdom. <laughs> so it really makes Regal angry. <laughs> um, angry enough to cut off supplies to the mountain. Yeah. Which I don't necessarily think that they super need. They do, oh. actually. Oh. Uh, that That's uh, mentioned at the end of the first book when they're learning about the mountain kingdom. Mm. They rely heavily on the grain that is growing in the inner duchies. Oh, right. Yeah. Because uh, they're, since they're up the mountain, 
they cannot farm at all really they can only have flocks of animals so all of the like their grain and their their grown foodstuffs kind of comes from trade that's fair i guess i was just thinking i mean it's not going to kill them right away at least they right, they yeah, can still they can, forage they can and they survive. have meat they yeah. they're very adaptable and they have lived there for a long time <laughs> yeah but it, it is a blow right but it's very petty on Rico's part which definitely is in line with his character basically his middle name <laughs> Jade does say patience seems to know much of what is goes on in outside the keep perhaps she knows what is happening in the mountain kingdom for my part, I should dearly love to know how she intends to send the blanket to the mountains. It's a long and weary way. And Birik here, again, his guilt surfaces. He says, I should have found a way to go with Ketrikin and the fool. But there were only two horses and only supplies enough for two. I hadn't been able to get more than that, and so they went alone. I don't suppose anyone has heard anything of King and Waiting Verity. Jade shook his head slowly. King Verity, he reminded Beric softly, if he were here. He looked far away. If he were coming back, I think he'd be here by now, he said quietly. A few more soft days like this, and there will be red ship raiders in every bay. I no longer believe Verity is coming back. Then Regal truly is king, Beric said sourly, at least until Ketrikin's child is born and comes of age. Then we can look forward to a civil war. This is a marked difference from Chade as we last heard him talking about Verity. Yeah. Chade was the one reprimanding Fitz about believing and hoping and knowing Verity was coming back to save everything. Because Fitz was the one saying, no, yeah. you know, he, he, he probably won't come back. He should have never gone chasing the elderlings. He should be here leading this war. And Chade's like, believe in something. He's coming back. Mm-hmm. He's going to find those things. We'll be saved. And now Chade's saying he's probably never coming back ever again. Yeah, I think at this point he has to stop believing because of all of the bad things that have happened. He's lost everything. And so I kind of understand the change in demeanor, but it is kind of sad to see even Chade lose his hope. What is it? been almost close to a year since Faraday's left. Yeah, if it I'm would have to be. estimating in my head. I don't know for well, sure. Not- I don't know exactly what season he left because Robin Hobb measures everything by seasons. Right. So. I thought he left at the end, at like the, the start of fall because. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, so almost a year. Yeah. Probably a couple months away from, yeah. a, from a year. But also we see the most traitorous talk we've ever seen from Burek. He is kind of disparaging Verity. And I think that's crazy because this is also something that is not normal for Burek, at least not in the before times. Yeah. He, he basically says he wished he had never gone questing and because at least we had some protection if he was here, (laughs) but he's gone. And so with this discussion about Verity, King in waiting, and King Verity, Fitz thinks in his head, Verity, I shivered with the cold. I pushed the cold away. It came back and I pushed it all away. I held it away. After a moment, I took a deep breath. 
And that is interesting to me because Verity's in the Mountain Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And felt his connection grow a little bit stronger there, I would guess. Yeah, I would, I would assume so, too. Hmm. And then uh, after that, Jade and Beric agree to test Fitz to see if he can scry in water. Which I don't think it's the greatest time to test him for that. No. <laughs> considering the state he's in. But, you know, it's a thought. Maybe he could spark something. Right. Uh, Chade never tested him before. And that's why he thinks like, well, he can. He has the wit. He has the skill. Maybe he can do this too. This magic. Right. Which I do want to point out that B can scry. So it is possible. Probable, honestly. But also I don't know... I don't know if it's ever scries. No, I don't think he does. So I don't know if that's just because he doesn't have a ton of bowls of water lying around <laughs> or if because he actually can't. But it is if had, interesting. If he had a bowl of water, I don't think he would try. To <laughs> that's be honest. true. Yeah. He's already too weird in his own mind. <laughs> they have another little argument, Beric and Chade here. Right before Fitz tries this. I have never tried him. I always suspected he could if he tried. He has the wit and the skill. Why shouldn't he be able to scry as well? Just because a man can do a thing does not mean he should do a thing. For a time they looked at one another. Then Chade shrugged. Perhaps my trade does not allow me so many niceties of conscience as yours, he suggested in a stiff voice. After a moment, Beric said gruffly, Your pardon, sir. We all served our king as our abilities dictated. So there's still tension there, even though, like, mm-hmm. we see them cordial. They were never, besties, know, speaking friends, even. Beric didn't know that he existed for most of his life. Right. And everything about Jade goes against all of Beric's morals right. and yeah. standards. Exactly. So even if he did know of him, I don't know that they would have been any closer to becoming best friends. Besides just bonding over Fitz. <laughs> right. That's the only thing keeping them together now, so. They test Fitz out to see if he can scry. Chade asks him a couple questions, and he responds, oh, I only see the water and the blue of the bottom of the bowl. <laughs> Chade, of course, is a little upset, but he says to Beric, at least he answers when you ask him questions now. Beric nodded, but he looked discouraged. Yes. Perhaps with time, he said. I knew they were finished with me then, and I relaxed. Chade's going to stay the night, so Chade and Beric grab uh, brandy. They poured two cups and they drew the stool up to the table and sat down. I sat and waited, but they began talking to one, one another again. What about me? I asked at last. They stopped talking and looked at me. What about you? Beric asked. Don't I get any brandy? They looked at me. Beric asked carefully, Do you want some? I didn't think you liked it. No, I don't like it. I never liked it, I thought for a moment. But it was cheap. Beric stared at me. Chade smiled a small smile, looking down at his hands. That's a pretty funny line to me, because I think most of us who who drink 
always had something when we were younger that we bought because it was cheap Mm -hmm. and we had easy access to it. And for that, for me, that was a Southern Comfort and Ham's beer. (laughs) Gross. So college was a lot of (laughs) Southern Comfort if we were doing hard liquor and then (laughs) really cheap Ham's beer. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I just think of Everclear, but that is basically just rubbing alcohol. Yeah. (laughs) It is not, but it it should be. (laughs) Grain alcohol. But yeah, no, it's it's cute. It's a little moment of humanity peeking through and probably is a little funny to hear of like the honest. No, I didn't like it, but it was cheap, so... (laughs) Beer grabs a uh, grabs a cup for him, and they kind of sit and stare and look at Fitz for a while. When he doesn't do anything with the cup, uh, they eventually begin talking to an- one another again, and he takes a sip of brandy. It still stung my mouth and nose, but it made a warmth inside me. I knew I didn't want any more. Then I thought I did. I drank some more. It was just as unpleasant. Like something patience would force on me for a cough. No, I pushed that memory aside as well. I set the cup down. And we learn later this is skill suggestions from Verity. Yes. So I I think Fitz did want the cup of brandy to be included. Right. Originally. However, when he got it, Verity's like, take a sip. Isn't it warm? <laughs> and then Fitz is like, I don't want any more. And he's like, I think you do want some more. <laughs> I see, I think maybe the first sip was him. Because it's like habit yeah it could it could be and then verity's like yeah do another yeah like well maybe maybe i do want more (laughs) but fist is actively fighting against this yeah and birik and chade are talking directly about fitz but without talking about him or naming Mm -hmm. him when you hunt a deer you can often get much closer to it by simply pretending not to see it (laughs) (laughs) that kind of thing They will not stir a hoof as long as you do not look directly at them. He picked up the bottle and poured more brandy in my cup. I snorted at the rising scent of it. I thought I felt something stirring, a thought in my mind. I reached for my wolf. Night eyes? My brother? I sleep, Changer. It is not yet a good time to hunt. Fear glared at me. I stopped. I knew I did not want more brandy, but someone else thought that I did. Someone else urged me to pick up the cup just to hold it. I swirled it in the cup. Verity used to swirl his wine in the cup and look into it. I looked into the dark cup. Fitz. I set the cup down. I got up and walked around the room. I wanted to go out, but Birik never let me go out alone, and not at all at night. So I walked around the room until I came back to my chair. I sat down in it again. The cup of brandy was still there. After a time, I picked it up, just to make the feeling of wanting to pick it up go away. But once I held it in my hand, he changed it. He made me think about drinking it, how warm it would feel in my belly. Just drink it quick, and the taste won't, wouldn't last long. Just the warm, good feeling in my belly. I knew what he was doing. I was beginning to get angry. Just another small sip then, soothingly, whispery, just to help you relax, Fitz. The fire is so warm, you've had food. Birik will protect you. 
Jade is right there. You needn't be on guard so much. Just another sip. One more sip. No. A tiny sip, then, just to get your mouth wet. I took another sip to make him stop wanting me. Stop making me want to. But he didn't stop, so I took another. I took a mouthful and swallowed it. It was getting harder and harder to resist. He was wearing me down. And beer kept putting more in my cup. Fitz, say, Verity's alive. That's all. Say just that. No. Doesn't the brandy feel nice in your belly? So warm. Take a little more. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me drunk, so I can't keep you out. I won't let you. My face was wet. Birk and Chade were both looking at me. He was never a crying drunk before, Birk observed, at least not around me. They seemed to find that very interesting. Say it. Say, Faraday's alive. Then I'll let you go. I promise. Just say it. Just once. Even as a whisper. Say it. Say it. I looked down at the table. Very softly, I said, Verity's alive. Oh, said Birik. He was too casual. He leaned too quickly to tip more brandy into my cup. The bottle was empty. He gave to me from his own cup. Suddenly I wanted it. I wanted it for myself. I picked it up and drank it all off. Then I stood up. Verity's alive, I said. He's cold, but he's alive, and that's all I have to say. I went to the door and worked the latch and went out into the night. They didn't try to stop me. I do want to point out that the I know what you're trying to do was said out loud. Yes. The I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me drunk so I can't keep you out. I won't let you. Yes. That was all out loud. Mm hmm. Which definitely got Beric and Shade's attention to look at him and like, hey, he was never a crying drunk before. Uh-huh. What's going on over there? We can see the depth of emotion that Fitz has. He loves Faraday, and we know that. Mm-hmm. But he's trying so hard to resist anything about his past. Anything at all that could remind him of the pain he went through, the guilt that he feels for what has happened. And any connection at all that he's trying to force Verity out of his head. Right. To resist him. I think also with how his last moments were when he was last fully human, the skilling would be really hard to tolerate. Not that he has a great experience otherwise with the skill, but I think that could potentially be why he starts crying. There's just that fear there. True. He doesn't want people in his brain anymore. Yeah, that's definitely true. Even though it's Verity and he loves Verity, it's still scary. So it is sad. (laughs) And I do feel bad for Verity because you know that Verity is doing this because he has to. He has to let them know he is alive. And so I can... I know that Verity doesn't like doing this to Fitz, but clearly he is desperate. And he kind of needs it because this next part of it is Fitz talking about how all of the memories were there. Mm -hmm. Just in his head, waiting to be unleashed. Yeah. It's a it's a very interesting scene. (laughs) And it makes me laugh a little bit because of the 
Oh, said Birik. He was too casual. He leaned too quickly to tip more brandy into my cup. It's like, oh, breakthrough? Yeah. Oh, oh, but, yes, Fitz? But also, that part is super important because that's a very calculating assassin's mind. That is stuff that Fitz would have picked up from his training of, yeah. it's too quick. It, mm-hmm. There's something wrong about the way he's doing it. Even if he doesn't understand the why, there's more of that old Fitz peeking through and showing himself. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. And that last paragraph of that scene, right after that part, is him wanting all of the brandy. Just yeah. wanting to numb in some other way. Right. Because all of those memories are resurfacing. Mm-hmm. And it is nothing to do with the skill. <laughs> Correct. Birik was right. All of it was there, like a song one has heard too often and cannot get out of one's mind. It re- ran behind all my thoughts and colored all my dreams. It came pushing back at me and gave me no peace. Spring ventured into summer. Old memories began to overlay my new ones. My lives began stitching themselves together. There were gaps and puckers in the joining, but it was getting harder and harder to refuse to know things. Names took on meanings and faces again. Molly, I finally said out loud to myself one day. Birk looked up at me suddenly when I spoke that word and nearly lost his grip on the fine-plated gut-snare line he was making. I heard him catch his breath as if he would speak to me, but instead he kept silent, waiting for me to say more. I did not. Instead, I closed my eyes and lowered my face into my hands and longed for oblivion. And this is this is the part where Fitz just kind of is quieter and contemplating all of these memories and, and readjusting mm-hmm. to what he has felt in his previous life. Right. And as he says, spring goes into summer. This takes another couple months to get used to what is going on in his head again. Right. Well, he is having to readjust everything about how he's thinking about things. Um, It kind of makes me think of how it must be for people who get amnesia. Where you don't remember something and so you learn it in a new way that fits your current situation. And then eventually it has to come back. And when it does, then you have to figure out how that fits into the new way you've started looking at the thing. Mm -hmm. And we see a little bit more of Fitz looking to the future, becoming more human, Mm -hmm. saying, where where are we going to go when the shepherds come here in this cabin? Like, what what are we going to do? And Birk is talking to him conversationally. It's it's not even uh, really like commanding him or, you know, telling him they actually have, you know, a thought out conversation here. And mm-hmm. Birk's like, think about it. You know, all of the stock went inland. We don't have anything here. There's not going to be shepherds. Mm-hmm. We're going to be fine. Probably, I agreed. And then something pressed into my mind, something more terrible than all the things I knew and did not want to remember. It was all the things I did not know, all the questions that had been left unanswered. And again, he he walks out and takes a walk just thinking to himself, and he sees the plants, and he knows the names of the plants, and he doesn't really know why, but he they're in his brain. Mm-hmm. All of these little things are starting to come together, but he still doesn't get the whole picture. 
All of the old knowledge was there, waiting to reclaim me whether I would or no. Yeah. Fitz comes back after his walk and asks Beric what happened that night. Specifically the night that King Shrewd and Ketrikin were to escape. The night that Fitz actually killed Serene and Justin Mm -hmm. and got arrested. Oh, that night, Beric sighed out as if recalling old pain. He spoke very slowly and calmly, as if fearing to startle me. And he explains that they were watching both Fitz and Beric, all their moves. They knew exactly, you know, what horses were going to go. There were feral guards, like, in and out of the stables all night. Mm-hmm. Beric could not do anything. Literally nothing. Yeah, he had to wait until the feast had started long past when it had started because then Regal would have thought he won so that he could escape. And then all he had were the horses that he had put away for Fitz, sooty and ruddy. Yeah. And so those were the only things he could get. And then the only food he could get was things that he could pilfer from the kitchens or the 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 banquet hall or the guard room. Yeah. So Queen Ketrikin and the fool got away on them. Beric says, yes, Jade and the wolf guided them to me. I wanted to go with them, but I couldn't. I'd only have slowed them down, my leg. I knew I couldn't keep up with the horses for long, and riding double in that weather would have exhausted the horses. I had to just let them go. A silence. Then he growled, lower than a wolf's growl. If ever I found out who betrayed us to Regal, I did. His eyes locked on mine, a look of horror and incredulity on his face. I looked at my hands. They were starting to tremble. And Fitz explains here that it was Rosemary. I was stupid. It was my fault. So he blames himself for not seeing that Rosemary was the spy, was the one who betrayed all of their information, who, in front of Rosemary, Fitz and Ketrikin were discussing grabbing warm clothes and traveling Mm -hmm. away. And how she probably did more than just listen. Yeah. Perhaps she did more than spy. Perhaps she took a basket of poisoned treats to an old woman, meaning Lady, Lady Time, Perhaps she greased a stair tread she knew her queen would soon descend. And what Rosemary did not overhear, Justin and Serene did. And he explains how they latched on to the king and were privy to all the discussions that he had with Verity through Mm -hmm. Shrewd. So they knew pretty much everything that was going on and how Galen had discovered a way to spy with the skill. And how Will was the best at it. He could make you think he was not even there when he was standing in front of you. Fitz then says, That night, at the very last moment, the king refused to go, I told him quietly. I had thought of Regal as a traitor so long, I had forgotten that Shrewd would still see him as a son. What Regal did, taking Verity's crown when he knew his brother was alive. King Shrewd didn't want to go on living, knowing Regal was capable of that. He asked me to be king's man, to lend him the strength to skill a farewell to Verity. But Serene and Justin were waiting. I paused, new pieces of the puzzle falling into place. 
I should have known it was too easy. No guards on the king. Why? Because Regal didn't need them. Because Serene and Justin were leeched onto him. Regal was finished with his father. He had crowned himself king in waiting. There was no more good to be had out of Shrewd for him. So they drained King Shrewd dry of skill strength. They killed him. Before he could even bid Verity farewell. Birk tries to comfort Fitz after this rant, his, his longest speech that we've seen. Birk crossed swiftly to me, put his hands on my shoulder, and pushed me down in a chair. You're shaking as if you're going to, into a seizure. Calm yourself. I could not speak. And so Birk tells him, this is what Jade and I couldn't figure out. Right. We didn't know who told on us where the leak was. We thought we had sent... Queen Ketcherkin with the spy, meaning yeah. the fool. And Fitz here is extremely defensive of the fool. Right. How could you think that? The fool loved King Shrewd as no one else did. It was not the fool who was our downfall. It was I. And that, I think, was the moment when I fully came back to myself. I had said the most unsayable thing, faced my most unfaceable truth. I had betrayed them all. And it's so internalized that he's at fault for everything that he can't realize that he's not omniscient. Right. He couldn't know that Rosemary was the spy. Sure, maybe he could have suspected it. Or been more careful around her. Yeah, but he was... There's so much going on that he can't be to blame for everything. Right. And yet it's his life story that he takes everything on himself and blames himself for ev anything and everything that goes wrong. It pops up again and again and again. And we'll keep discussing it when it does. Well, he takes after Birik. And yeah. This is what we just saw Birik do with Chade. Mm -hmm. It was his own fault. Everything is wrong. He should have followed along with the fool and Ketrikin. It's all wrong. And it's a more extreme version, I think, of what Burek does. But I do think it's a little bit learned behavior. And he tells Burek that the fool had warned him that he was going to be the death of kings and kind of cries out, I'm sorry, shrewd. If but for me, you would not be dead, basically, right now. Mm -hmm. And Burek has to be the voice of reason, saying Regal never needed a reason to kill shrewd. He only needed to run out of reasons to keep him alive. Which is a very apt description of what happened. That, yeah. That's the simple truth. Regal just needed to keep him alive long enough to get what he wanted. Right. And I think even without Fitz around, this would have happened. Which Fitz probably would not agree with. But I don't think Regal would have let chivalry become queen or king without... Fitz being around, I think he was always going to kill everybody off. Right, yeah. Birk has a question for Fitz saying, like, then then why did they kill him right then? Why not wait around until they had the queen as well? And Fitz can give him good news that Birk is the one that saved her. Mm -hmm. Birk is the one that got them out when Regal thought he had won. Right. He thought it didn't matter. Because he could get her no matter what, but mm -hmm. Birk was able to get her a horse. Yeah. 
despite trying to block it and thinking he blocked the horses beforehand. Right, which is probably also why Regal is so mad, because how could a pregnant woman and what he sees as an invalid get away on foot from his kingdom? With no warm things. With nothing warm, yeah. So I think that would drive Regal crazy of how could they possibly have done it? (laughs) Why is everyone around me incompetent? It's not me. It's never me. Burek grinned hard. She and the fool took what had been packed for Shrewd, and they left on two of the best horses ever to come out of Buckkeep's stables. I'll wager they got to the mountains safely, boy. It was too thin a comfort. That night I went out and ran with the wolf, and Burek made no rebuke to me. But we could not run far enough, nor fast enough, and the blood we shed that night was not the blood I wished to see run, nor could the hot fresh meat fill the void inside me. It's official. He has to be human now. Yeah. He did face the truth. He faced the truth, his own truth, that Mm -hmm. he betrayed everyone and that he is the reason everything failed. Yep. Which, you know, is Fitz's issue that he'll have to work out and work through, which doesn't really happen. But (laughs) (laughs) we move beyond it eventually. Yes, true. (laughs) And so he says that eventually and slowly he's remembering who he was and life as it was. Birk and him began to speak openly as friends again. He gave over his dominance of me, but not without mockingly expressing his regrets for that. We recalled our old ways with one another, old ways of laughing together, old ways of disagreeing. But as things steadied between us and became normal, we were both reminded all the more sharply of all we no longer had. He also mentions that there's not enough in the day to busy both of them. Right. Birk was used to running everything at the stables for the castle. Like yeah. the literal capital of <laughs> of this kingdom. Uh-huh. He managed all of the stable hands, the messengers running in and out, everything like that, and mm-hmm. now he's just in fishing. a cabin yep. <laughs> in the middle of a field. <laughs> and Fitz, you know, He is also used to being busy, but he's also someone who can take his days and not do anything with them. I relate to him in that way (laughs) heavily. Yeah, I could I could do nothing for a while, too. (laughs) But he has a lot of time to think about what's going on. Right. Think about Molly in particular a lot. Just a quick little fun aside. Yeah. Do you think you can whip on to a fish and do you think that Burek uses that to cheat at fishing? Not bonding, but like talking with the wit. <laughs> yes. Uh, fish, I don't know. Because they talk, don't they talk about in the Tawny Man trilogy about... How dumb they are or something? No, about bonding like a group of bees or like a like a whole hive of something that it's, it's not good for you or something or it doesn't work really well so like a school of fish might act kind of the same way because it's a hive mind almost Hmm. like they think with one brain kind of thing yeah so i feel like it'd be the same way with that although you could probably do like the turtle or i know they're not on the ocean but like a dolphin or something like that sure fish i'm not sure I i don't know but do you think they can communicate to fish with the wit? Because I feel like that 
that is cheating if you're going fishing and you can talk to them and be like, it's safe over here. <laughs> Eat this little thing. Doesn't it look yummy? <laughs> I have lots of food. Derek would never do that. Well. He would never do that. He cheats a lot of his own rules, and I feel like he would sidestep something if it meant food. He was, he was forced to cheat with Vixen. Was he forced? Vixen didn't let him go. I believe that 100%. I suppose, but also... He could have given away Vixen. <laughs> that was his job. Like, she was the the main dog. Yeah. And that was his job to, like, I don't... There could have been another good bread I don't, dog. I don't think Chivalry or the King would have let him sell the hound dog. Well, no, if he had just suggested that... Or if he, like, bred a different one and was like, oh, this one's so good, we should use this dog instead. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there are ways to get out of it. <laughs> All right, so they're they're kind of settling into a routine here, kind of you know getting used to each other, but they're very bored. There's nothing to do. Fitz is okay with it, kind of, but Birk fished, it's hunted, and there were some tasks to do, you know, hides to scrape, shirts to wash and mend, water to haul, but there's not much to do. So eventually, memories get brought up. Right. And Birik is sitting there trying to speak to Fitz just once about how he had come to see Fitz in the dungeon right before the end. His hands worked with small twitching motions as he spoke of how he had had to walk away to leave me inside that cell. I could not let him go on. Let's go fishing, I suddenly proposed. He took a deep breath and nodded. We went fishing and spoke no more that day. But I had been caged and starved and beaten to death. From time to time when he looked at me, I knew he saw the scars. I shaved around the seam down my cheek and watched the hair grow in white above my brow where my scalp had been split. We never spoke about it. I refused to think about it. But no man could have been come through that unchanged. I began to dream at night. And so these are different from his nightmares that we had spoken of before. Right. The cracks have finally all broken open and the good, the bad and the ugly has shown through and filled fits again. And his life is stitching back together and he has all of his memories and he is getting all of the bad that came in the last month and a half of his life. Right. I also think the big change is his ability to process what's going on yeah, in yeah. the dreams before they were much simpler because they didn't need to be complex to get across the feeling of fear. There was that animalness to it of it's just bad. Something about it is wrong and it makes me scared and I don't like it. Whereas now Fitz doesn't necessarily remember the dreams when he wakes up, but he remembers the feeling. And I think that means that it's worse. It's of the things that were going on. Mm -hmm. The first time he has one of these nightmares, he wakes up Beric in the middle of the night because he sits up straight in bed and is wordlessly crying. But He's still half asleep, so when Burek goes to comfort him, he attacks Burek. He shoves him away from him and then realizes that 
Fitz realizes that he could have killed Burek just because Burek was within reach. He, he says at that moment, I rejected and despised myself so completely that I desired only to destroy everything that was me or bordered on myself. I repelled savagely at the entire world, almost displacing my own consciousness. Brother, brother, brother! Night Eyes yelped desperately within me, and Birik staggered back with an inarticulate cry. After a moment, I could swallow and mutter to Birik. A nightmare, that was all. Sorry. I was still dreaming. Just a nightmare. I understand, he said brusquely. And then, more thoughtfully, I understand. He went back to his bed, but I knew what he understood was that he could not help me with this, and that was all. It's so hard because... What could Bjork do? Nothing. Nothing, yeah. (laughs) And Bjork isn't the most helpful guy when it comes to, let's talk about our feelings. Um, So I could see that him thinking, oh, this is just how it gets sometimes with us men. We just got to work through it instead of doing the healthy thing of we need to talk about it so that you can get over it. Which, to be fair, it's not always good to talk out things or to force people to talk about things. But I feel like maybe that would help. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know. It just it's hard for both of them. Fitz is describing these nightmares that did not come every night, but often enough to leave him dreading going to bed, Mm -hmm. that these nightmares were basically just fear. Like It wasn't really anything happening, Mm -hmm. but the fear was an unmanning terror, a hope that death would come and end it because I was broken and knew I would give them anything rather than face more pain. This man has been beaten, broken, and traumatized 10 million times over in his life. And that last month and a half was brutal. Yeah. Well, because the last month was mental and physical. I think all the times before had been one or the other. Right. And a month of I have to resign myself to getting beaten until I pass out without defending myself at all because the alternative is I turn in my friends and family who are innocent. Right. And also him torturing himself now with I am guilty of causing all of this pain in right. the whole kingdom. He he's he's contributing it to himself as well and it's all manifesting in his dreams. He says there's no answer to a fear like that or the shame that comes after it. I tried anger, I tried hatred. Neither tears nor brandy could drown it. It permeated me like an evil smell and colored every remembrance I had, shading my perception of who I had been. No moment of joy or passion or courage that I could recall was ever quite what it had been, for my mind was always for my mind always traitorously added, Yes, you had that for a time. But after came this, and this is what you are now. That debilitating fear was a cowering presence inside me. I knew with a sick certainty that if I were pressed, I would become it. I was no longer fit chivalry. I was what was left 
after fear had driven him from his body. Yeah. Which is a terrifying description of what he is going through. Yeah. And devastatingly sad that this is what he's struggling with and makes it all the more clear why he did not want to remember what what it was that was keeping him from becoming fully human. And I also think that this experience helps him later when in the final trilogy, when he meets the fool again, mm. because I think this is, this is what the fool goes through in yeah. the final trilogy. And this is just what the inside looks like of that. And what Fitz goes through is like a 10th of what the fool goes through. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so sad. I think it it makes me feel a little bit more sympathetic to that final book, probably because the final books are so fresh in my memory um, because it was not that long ago that I read them. But it does make me feel more sympathetic to the fool and what he went through because we don't get to see that from his perspective. Um, but we do get this and this is horrible. Yeah. The next scene in this chapter is the second day after they had run out of brandy. Mm -hmm. So they've been drinking heavily this whole time and Birk's hands are shaking from withdrawal. We're going to have to manage on our own now. There's game and plenty to be had. If we can't feed ourselves up here, we deserve to starve. Are you going to be all right? I asked flatly. He looked at me through narrowed eyes. Meaning what? He asked. Meaning there's no more brandy, I said as bluntly. And you think I can't get by without it? His temper was rising already. It had become increasingly short since the brandy ran out. I was asking, that's all. I sat very still, not looking at him, hoping he wouldn't explode. After a pause, he said very quietly, Well, I suppose that's something we'll both have to find out. And then Fitz asks about the future. Yeah, Burek, um at first is confused, saying, I already told you, we're going to hunt and fish, and we'll figure it out. And Fitz clarifies that that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about past tomorrow. And Burek tries to say that, well, Chade will come occasionally, and he'll bring us some stuff that we can't get ourselves. And... That's at least if Buckkeep isn't picked completely clean because Buckkeep is pretty bad. But, you know, if if Buckkeep Castle can't provide us with anything, I'll just hire myself out for work. I'll make money. And Fitz points out that they can't always hide up there. What comes after when it's no longer viable to hide? It was his turn to be quiet a while. I suppose I hadn't given it much thought. At first, it was just a place to take you while you were covered. Then, for a time, it seemed as if you would never... But I'm here now. I hesitated. Patience, I began, believes you dead, Bjork cut in, perhaps more harshly than he, in he had intended. Chade and I are the only ones who know different. Before we pulled you out of that coffin, we weren't sure. 
Had the dose been too strong? Would you really be dead from it? Or frozen from your days in the earth? I'd seen what they'd done to you. I didn't think you could live through that, let alone the poison. So he offered no hope to anyone. And then he talks about how, even after they had gotten him out, what he had turned into isn't something he would want patients to see. They didn't know if he'd survive with all of his damage, even still, let alone, you know, getting him back from the wolf and making him human. Right. I don't know what possessed patients to clean and bind a dead man's wounds, but if she hadn't, it's a sad realization that patients really did play a big part in this and she didn't even get to know. And honestly, I feel like she would have handled this whole thing a lot better than Burek did. Maybe not. I think she also would have gotten frustrated with Fitz and maybe she would have pushed him too hard to remember. But I think she would have been a big help and it makes me sad that they did not give her the opportunity. And Burek brings up how what they did was wrong. They had put a wolf's soul back into a man's body. And he talks about the attack that Fitz had remembered at the very beginning of this chapter. You went for my throat. That first day you could stand on your own, you wanted to run away. I wouldn't let you, and you went for my throat. I could not show patience, that snarling, snapping creature. And then Fitz asks about Molly. Birk looks away. Probably she heard you died. After a time, he added uncomfortably, Someone had burned a candle on your grave. Snow had been pushed away, and the wax stump was still there when I came to dig you up. Right there, i that's Beric lying to himself a little bit, saying that hes what he's doing and what he's telling Fitz right there mm-hmm. is for his own good. Beric looked away from me. Probably she heard you died. Yeah, from him. Uh-huh. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, super rough. Um, I wonder if that haunts, yeah, haunts him whenever he marries her later. Um, well, yeah, I mean, he thinks Fitz actually does die. Right, and, right. But yeah, I'm sure like he can never tell her. No. Well, no. No, he can't tell her. What's he going to say? Um, Actually, Fitz didn't die when I told you. But he did die like a year later. But he is. And then he comes back again and Molly's just like, what? So you can't die? Or yeah. <laughs> It's probably for the better. But yeah, I'm sure he feels guilty about that for forever. Although maybe not. Maybe he feels like he gave her a good morning time. Like, he died anyway, so what was the harm? And then Birk forces Fitz to listen to what would happen and what what Fitz is thinking about and talking through all of these options. Because they're talking about, you know, Fitz reintegrating back or getting help with something in society. And Birk has to be like, listen to yourself. Like, what, what do you think would happen if you went back to town? They would kill you <laughs> like all of these people that Fitz was naming patients, Molly, maybe they could help him. But if anybody saw him alive, they'd be like, oh, well, 
<laughs> what they said is true. We have to kill him better this yeah. time. It's it's what you and I were discussing. And what Fitz knows himself, he just won't admit to himself. He he can't go back ever because he'd just be that evil thing that came back to life yeah. that they would have to make sure this time that he stayed dead. He'd become the piebald prince yeah. or I guess the piebald prince's father. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Sly, Sly the Wit, whatever. Did they hate me so? Hate you? No, they liked you well enough, those that knew you. But if you came back, a man who had died and been buried, again walking among them, they'd fear you. It's not a thing you could explain away as a trick. The wit is not a magic that is well thought of. When a man is accused of it and then died and is buried, well, in order for them to remember you fondly, you'd have to stay dead. Right. And he talks about how it would just prove Regal right. Mm-hmm. You would use the wit magic to kill the king. Yeah. Which isn't true, but that's what people would assume. They'd have to kill you again more thoroughly the second time. Birk stood suddenly and paced the room twice. Damn me, but I could use a drink, he said. Me too, I said quietly. Yeah, great time to run out of brandy when yeah. you're talking about these things. Honestly, good, <laughs> yeah, good that they ran out is. of brandy. It is. So they could, number one, have this conversation, and number two, not be able to drink afterwards. It's good for them. The last scene in this chapter. This is what I was saying before, how mm-hmm. the first encounter with Chade to this one is so drastic and sad. It In retrospect, it makes the first one sad. Yeah, but this one makes my heart so happy. Yeah. And also, of course, as is typical in a Fitz book, <laughs> the chapter ends on like a like a sad note. Uh-huh. I was <laughs> Very so depressed, you know, right before the last like two sentences, I'm like, oh, finally, we can say it ended happy at least. And then, bam, we hit we get hit with a gut oh, wrencher. Robin but. Hob. <laughs> so 10 days later, Chade is walking up the path. The old assassin walked slowly, with a staff, and he carried his pack up high on his shoulders. The day was warm, and he had thrown back the hood on his cloak. His long gray hair blew in the wind, and he had let his beard grow to cover more of his face. At first, he looked to be an itinerant tinker, a scarred old man perhaps, but no longer the pocked man. Wind and sun had weathered his face. Birk had gone fishing, a thing he preferred to do alone. Night Eyes had come to sun himself on her doorstep in Birk's absence, but had melted back into the woods behind the hut at the first waft of Chade's scent on the air. I stood alone. And so he's walking up, and Fitz is watching him, and he's walking strong, more strongly than Fitz remembers. At last I went to meet him, feeling strangely shy and embarrassed. When he looked up and saw me, he halted and stood in the trail. I continued toward him. Boy, he asked cautiously when I was near. I managed a nod and and a smile. The answering smile that broke forth on his face humbled me. He dropped his staff to hug me and then pressed his cheek to mine as if I were a child. Oh, Fitz, Fitz, my boy, he said in a voice full of relief. I thought we lost you. I thought we'd done something worse than let you die. His old arms were tight and strong about me. I was kind to the old man. 
I did not tell him that they had. I, oh, I'm tearing up. It makes me emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> just the like the reunion. Yeah. And then the underlying sadness and like oh, yeah. still depression <laughs> that Fitz has about the whole thing. Oh, I am literally crying because you all can't see me, but I have tears. Um, it's so sad, but it's it's so happy for a moment in this joy that Fitz is back. And you see it from Chade. Like. Chade is so ha- I think this is the most expressive and happy we have ever seen or will ever see Chade. Most um, emotive for sure. We've seen him happier when he's like manic and jumping around in right. his thing. When he like sees Ketrick and do right. good or whatever, you know. Right, but I mean like in a in an emotional way. Yes. I think yes. this is the like most familial family love mm-hmm. that we get. And it's just so sad because he's like, oh, good. We didn't ruin everything. And Fitz has to sit there and just let him believe that. Because we know that it is much worse. And I don't know that what they did was worse than letting him die. I guess it's bad because he has to relive the trauma and he has to work through that. But I think giving him another shot was worth it. Oh, yeah. In the long run. I don't know. So it just makes me so sad. <laughs> it's it's the whole philosophy that Fitz kind of carries with him. He never really says it out loud, but it's basically him saying life is worse than death could be. And mm-hmm. then he kind of lives that a lot. Yeah. In his darkest periods of these books, just saying this is not worth all the pain that I'm getting. This is mm-hmm. not worth all the suffering. Uh, that I'm putting other people through because I'm alive because he's so absorbed with him being guilty about everything right? and completely wrong. No one can be that guilty about like everything, you know, right. In any situation, no one person is to blame for all of the problems that befall every other person. Right. Yeah. No, it is sad. Yeah. Not much to say, honestly. No. <laughs> it's it's a uh, a journey, but this is only the first chapter of this book. Yeah. <laughs> There's more to come with him still falling back into some habits. Um, I think Birk and him fight soon, which is I'm not looking uh, forward to I it. Know. I think he says choice words to Chade, I think, in the next chapter. Yeah. And Chade kind of gives him up then. Like, yeah, I think it's uh, it's really hard because even though it's not until the next trilogy that we see Fitz kind of having been isolated for 10 years, Um, This kind of is the start of the isolation because he's pushing away everyone. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. Oh, man. It's hard. It's sad. And it's not. It's a little bit happy. It's a little happy. I think the worst part about this book. I mean, I love these books and I, I love them so much. But the worst part is that there's not exactly like a big grand happy ending for Fitz waiting at the end of this. I think, like, the happiest moment, it still sticks out to me, the happiest moment 
or the happiest ending, I guess. There's there's two different parts. Happiest ending is the end of the Tawny Man trilogy, mm-hmm. where he gets to go home to Molly. Right. Happiest moment is in the last trilogy, where <laughs> he is like accepted back into court as Fitz Chivalry. Right. Yeah. Between there, there's not much. Yeah. They, I mean, <laughs> I guess spoiler alert, but they bring back the dragons, which is great. Fitz doesn't care. No. He doesn't give one <laughs> one hoot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, he does not. And I think that's like the hardest part is like the fool's goal is met. Yeah. But that doesn't mean anything to Fitz. And so it's almost disappointing. And that even at the the end of the last trilogy, when he gets a wolf. I don't think he's happy there. I think no. he's just content. Like, that's <laughs> like the most that he gets. I don't know that Fitz knows how to be happy, which is <laughs> ironic that we named our podcast <laughs> over the ideal that maybe Fitz could be. <laughs> well, Emma, is Fitz happy? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Having a grand old time. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. <laughs> if you have any questions for us, please reach out. We would love to read and answer them or talk about theories with you or any th- other thoughts you have about other books, other suggestions for us, other topics in the series. Please reach out isfitshappy at gmail.com or directly to us and our inboxes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at isfitshappy on all three of those social media pages. 